Good morning. God is faithful, ain't He? He is so good. I say that all the time. I think, when, especially when I'm talking to my cousin Jamie, I'll usually say that about 20 times, and he'll say it 20 times, and there's just no end to God's goodness. When it says to taste and see that the Lord is good, oh, once you've tasted Him and you've seen, there's nothing else that can satisfy. There's not. I understand what Peter meant when Jesus turned around. You've got to figure these disciples had been with Him for years at this point. Jesus preached a hard sermon for people to understand in John chapter 6. He said that my actual flesh is food and my blood is drink. And they didn't understand that he was talking covenant. And a lot of them said, this is a hard saying. Who can bear it? And it says that many of them departed from that time and followed him no more. And because there was such a large crowd that used to follow him and those people departed, he turned to his own disciples and said, will you leave as well? And the apostle Peter said, Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. And I actually feel like that, you know. I feel like, God, where would we go? Where else would we go? Where else can we find peace and rest and help in our time of need and mercy that sustains us through hard times? Grace that actually gives us hope. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You know, there was a time that every person before they made Christ their Savior and their Lord, that you were without Him. And it says that you were without God in the world. And you had no hope because hope only comes from God. If you don't know God, then you can't have hope because you can't know love because you'll always try to find your value from something else. And the truth is, is that the one that created us gave us our value. No one can ever take away our value because they don't give it to us. The problem is, is when we try to find our value in the way my wife treats me or the way my parents treated me or the way my brother, my sister, my pastors, which all of them have treated me good. I'm just using you guys for an example. (laughs) But if I try to find my value from them instead of God, what happens is I walk away feeling less valuable when they don't value me. You're worth, in God's eyes, the blood of Jesus Your life is so significant if you only knew how significant it was. I'm going to read another scripture here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. According as He has chosen us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children, by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. It says that God has predestined us in Christ. He has chosen us in him before the foundations of the world. And me and Heather were driving here this morning and she said, could you imagine that before God even scooped one clump of dirt out of the ground, he already had a plan. 
He already knew what man was going to look like before he ever took that first scoop of dirt to make man. Before you ever breathed your first breath, God had a plan. You're part of his plan. Creation is part of his plan. Do you understand the value that you have? Because your life doesn't just affect you. Your life touches everybody around you. Whether good or bad, your life will have an impact on the people around you. It just does. It's crazy because God can change somebody to such an extent. I was talking to another man that I work with, and he was telling me some of his testimony, and I said, I would never know that. I said, because after Jesus gets your heart, you don't even look the same. And he's probably thinking the same thing of me. Because I'm not loud, I'm not arrogant, I try to remain very humble. Because I understand that humility has great value. There is so much value in being humble. Not only before God, but before your fellow man. The world is prideful and arrogant, and it tries to tell you that unless you're prideful or arrogant, then you're not important. But when you understand your value, you'll never act outside of humility because you won't try to promote yourself. You won't try to make yourself look good because promoting yourself and making yourself look good is trying to get value. The only reason why you would try to make yourself look good in front of somebody is so that they would value you. But when you could care less if they value you or not, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. I honestly don't care what anybody thinks of me. I really don't. If you like me, that's fine. If you love me, that's better. If you hate me, it's in you, not in me, because all I walk in is love. Because I got a hold of a love that set me free from me. And when I got a hold of that love that set me free from me, it set me free from you. Amen. It's true. But our lives... They were preordained by God. Nobody here is just here by chance. Even in this church, there's a lot of people that should be here that aren't here. Because God has a plan. That's not condemning anybody because they didn't come to church. I'm just saying there's a lot of people who are missing out today because they're not here. Because they don't value the things of God. But when you put honor on the things of God and when you set aside some of your time and give it to God, God redeems the time. You value His things, all of a sudden your things become valuable to Him. And it's not valuing God's stuff so He'll value yours. No, you can't buy God's value by value. It doesn't work like that. The Bible says to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. And there's something about when you know how much God loves you that opens you up to receive His fullness. When you know how much God loves you, when you know that God's never angry at you, when you know you never disappointed God, when you know that He keeps no records of wrongs, When you realize that your name is written in a book in heaven called the Lamb's Book of Life, and one day He's going to read it. He's going to open that book. It has a seal. The only person that can open it is the Lamb of God. And when Jesus opens that book with the seal, I'm telling you, if your name's not in there, you're going to wish it was. Because He's going to go through. And when it's in there, He's going to say, 
enter into my rest, which I prepared for you before the foundations of the world. This was already your destination. If your name's not in there, I believe you're going to see a tear run down that lamb's cheek because he paid such a heavy price for your name to be in there. The only reason it wouldn't be in there is because you didn't know or you didn't care. Sobering. Honestly, it's so sobering. I'm like the Apostle Paul because I really feel like this, where he said in Galatians, in chapter 4, verse 19, he said that I travail as in birth again until Christ be formed in you. I felt like this week I was just on the floor praying on my face. And I said that. I said, Lord, I'm travailing right now, not only for them, but for me. Form a clearer picture of my Lord inside of my mind. Amen. Take me into those deeper relationships. There will be deeper relationships. There will be people who will tell you that you got all of God you're ever going to get. I can sure tell you none of us are walking in it. It's true. None of us are walking in the fullness of God. But we can. And when we understand how much He loves us, it allows us to walk in His fullness. Amen. Do you want to know why Jesus could do miracles? Because He did them as a man. He didn't do them as God. If you think that Jesus did them as God, then they don't belong in the church today. But when you realize that he did him as a man who was in right relationship with his father, who was loved by his father and knew it and was filled with the Holy Spirit, then the impossible becomes possible to you. Because now you're a man or a woman who is right with God who's been filled with the same spirit. So the same vitality that Jesus walked in in this life, you can walk in today. Amen. You don't have to walk in bondage. You don't have to, because who the sun sets free is free indeed. And he came and he died to free you. It says the opening of the prison doors to them that are bound. The reason why he came, because the Spirit of God was upon him and had anointed him. Amen. No bondage can hold you. Nothing from your past can hold you. No mistake that you ever made can keep you there. And if people reduce you to your mistake, do you understand when people reduce you to a mistake, you become that mistake? But when God completely liberates you and cleanses you and removes your mistakes from you, your sins from you, your mess-ups, you become a new person. And the Bible says that, Behold, all things are made new. Today, we walk in the light that we have, but there's so much more light to obtain to. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall have their fill. And we have to be hungry for the things of God. It doesn't do us any good to preach to someone who's not hungry. But if you're hungry to see real change in your life, if you're hungry to grab hold of something that's real, if you're hungry to break free from normal Christianity, there's a river and it's supposed to be in your belly that's supposed to flow out of you. And it's called living water. Amen.
You know, that's what I was telling the Lord this week. I said, Lord, I don't want to just be a good preacher or a good teacher. I understand the importance of teaching and preaching because God has chosen the foolishness of preaching. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> I do. Because it makes no sense how we could stand up here and preach to you and you walk out changed, but you are. We don't know how it happens. It just does because the Holy Spirit's involved. Amen. You ever walked out of church and you just feel light and airy and you feel like, man, you know, I might have been in a bad mood when I came in, but oh my goodness, I really needed that. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the engrafted Word which is able to save your soul. And you can laugh, and we can be laughing while we're preaching and laughing, but the Word is cutting you. <laughs> you don't even know it. You're like, the Word is cutting me. It's doing something in me. It's changing me. It's changing me into the image of Christ. Amen. I want to reflect Him everywhere I go, not just in here. And that's what I was praying for. I was like, Lord, you know, I just don't want to be a good preacher or a good teacher. I literally want to walk in the fullness of what Jesus did. Because Jesus Himself said that greater things you shall do because I ascend to the Father. Greater things. And Jesus' main mission in life literally was glorifying the Father. My main mission in my life is to glorify the Son that brings glory to the Father. And I want to walk in that. I want to bring Jesus so much glory that when I enter into heaven, literally, they start applauding. And he says, well done. Enter into my rest. Amen. I want to take my crown on that day and throw it at his feet and bow down and worship Him and call Him worthy. Amen. I don't want to live a life in vain for myself and at the end leave all that behind and find out I could have had much more. I don't. I've been praying, man. We're just going to turn over there. I've been praying Matthew chapter 3. I was talking to Mark about it this morning. It's verse 11. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the gardener. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. When it says that I will baptize you with fire and the Holy Ghost, that word and is even or also. It's referring to the same thing, that the Holy Ghost, when you're baptized with it, is not the end of it. There's a fire that comes along with it that is supposed to burn the chaff in your life. It's supposed to take away all those dead limbs that don't produce fruit so that you bear more fruit. Okay, because we're going to go to John chapter... 15 real fast and he says I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away and every branch that beareth fruit he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit this Greek word purge when he says that if you're a tree that's bearing fruit I'm going to purge you so that you can bear more fruit that Greek word is the same one used here in verse 12 of Matthew chapter 3 whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor. Same Greek word. It's talking about purging us and consuming us to the point to where we produce more fruit. 
And most people are like, well, I don't want Jesus to take over every area of my life because then I wouldn't be free. Do you understand that when Jesus consumes every area of your life, every area of your life increases from your finances to your relationships to raising your kids to just eating dinners better? Being alone's better because you never feel alone because you realize that he's right there with you. And I was telling my brother that I feel so secure in the Lord more than I ever have that I'm very content to be around the worst of sinners or even Muslims. I go to a Muslim store to buy stuff sometimes. I just do. And before I would have thought that, well, I'm not supporting that. Those guys need Jesus. And I can tell you that there's something inside of us when they see us. Because the eye is the lamp of the body and my eye has been single for a long time. Amen. There's someone inside of here when you look. Heather used to look at my pictures before I was saved and after I'm saved. And she would always say, your eyes are so much different. Of course they were because there was no light in there. There was a dead man inside. I was spiritually dead. If you guys were to know my past, which a lot of you do because I share bits and pieces of my testimony, if you were to take the man right before I got born again and then the man when I got born again, they're two different people. You would say, there is no way that's Steve. You would say, that's no way. That, there's no way that's him. That dude was selfish. He was. He didn't care. He was destructive. I didn't care. You know that I never thought about tomorrow in my life? That's why when something stupid happened and I ended up locked up was because I didn't think about the consequences. I never did. Like, never, ever. I mean, Heather talks about when she desired to have a husband since she was 13. She's been praying for her husband, which was me, which she didn't know. Because before the foundations of the world, we were chosen. That's you guys. You guys were chosen. You were for each other. Amen. Michaela, Sam, you guys are chosen for each other. And it says that what God joins together, let no man put asunder, which means men will try to separate it. But don't let anybody do that because God's joined you together. Amen. The week I asked to pray for you guys, I was telling Mark and Val, I know that this is a sermon and I'm pointing you guys out. I'm sorry, but I'm going to do it anyway, just because God is just so faithful. But I really felt when we left that day that God was calling you guys out. And Sam, I really feel like there's a pastor's anointing on you. I just do. I just feel like you'll be able to reach people, that you'll be able to pastor. And it's not just Sam's anointing. Michaela, it's your guys' anointing <laughs> that you walk in. But I just really feel like that. And I was telling Mark and Val, I, I was telling them that I just really feel like there's a pastor's anointing on you, Sam. And I believe that God is just going to draw your heart not to seek a pastor's position or anything like that. Because I realize through my years that in seeking positions, we lose sight of the physician. <laughs> we just do. <laughs> The one who makes all things better. We lose sight of him when we seek stuff instead of seeking him. I was telling one of my buddies this week, he said, man, he said, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're here. He said, uh, like, I just want to talk to you for a minute. I said, I said what's going on? He said, the last two weeks, man, I just really haven't even been able to feel the presence of the Lord. He's like, nothing, you know, I ain't did anything. Or 
anything like that. We got to talking. He was like, I just feel like I know everything. But I was telling him, I said, the devil's done that with all of us. You ain't the first one. He's done it with all of us. But now I'm 14 years in Christ and I feel like I know nothing. I don't feel like I know anything. That's what I was telling him. I feel like I've barely scratched the surface of what there is to walk in. Because I haven't seen blind eyes open. I haven't seen the dead raised. I haven't. I'm looking forward to it. You want to know something that's crazy that I actually believe? I've been praying that Jesus would come and I could see him with my natural eyes. You think that's crazy. He was received up into a cloud and they just beheld him. And then the angel said, why are you beholding him steadfast? The same way he went, the same way he's going to come back. See, he's in heaven. He can't come back now. Then how in the world did the apostle Paul see him? Jesus wasn't kicked out of the earth, guys. You understand? He wasn't. He wasn't kicked out of the earth where you can never see him again. And people think, well, why would he do that? Because I know my value. I know how much he loves me. I'm expecting either to go to sleep or to sit down and pray. And just like Jacob, Jacob left his father's land and he was going to his, it would be his father's brother's house, Laban's land. And he laid down by a rock just to take a nap and he had a dream and he seen the angels descending up and down a ladder from heaven to earth and he woke up and he said the Lord was here and I didn't even know it that's how I'm expecting it to be and I don't need it I understand a wicked and perverse generation asks for a sign I'm not asking for a sign I'm asking so he can come and spend some time with me so that I don't have to wait till I get to heaven to behold who I'm looking at I see him on the inside. But I was telling the Lord this. I'm just going to be very real with you. I was telling the Lord this. I was telling, when I call Heather, I know, even though I'm not looking at her, I can picture in my mind who I'm talking to you. And I said, I don't want a man's idea of what you look like coming into my mind when I'm talking to you. And religion will tell you God will never do that for you. But if he would come and die for you, why do you think that you would have to wait to get to heaven to see him? I believe that these things don't happen because we're not expecting them. We're not looking for great manifestations and visitations of the Holy Ghost and Jesus coming to actually visit us. Do you know that there was a man named Joseph and there was a man named Potiphar and he was a slave to Potiphar? He served Potiphar. He was his slave. But God loved Joseph. And God gave Joseph dreams. And Joseph knew in his heart, I'm not a slave. I may find myself in this place right now, but I'm not a slave. And do you know that God blessed everything Potiphar had from his other servants to his house, to his fields, to I imagine everything else was blessed because of Joseph's life. And it wasn't just because Joseph was good looking. No, it had to be supernatural. Like when Joseph took care of the field, it produced 10 times more than what the other field did. There had to be something supernatural on Joseph's life. But he blessed one man's thing because of that. Do you feel like in your company that God would bless the company because you're there? See, if you don't, then you're living less in your thoughts than where you should be. Because in God's eyes, he would bless a whole nation because you're there. That's what happened with Isaac. Another example, 
the Philistines actually sent him away and then kept going and stealing his wells and filling them up. Well, guess what? Isaac was so blessed by God that when Isaac left, they went into hardship as a nation. The rulers of the nation came unto Isaac and said, make a covenant with us and come back because we see that when you left, you took God with you. Amen. But one man... Do you know what literally the power of one person is when you understand who you are in Christ and who he is in you? God will bless a whole community, a whole state, a whole nation, a whole school, a whole job. He'll bless it all just because you're there. But are you expecting it? Because these guys had dreams in their heart. And even though circumstances tried to stop those dreams, they pressed through to the place where they were standing with their dream. And circumstances were exactly that, just circumstances. They couldn't stop the reality of who God was in their life. And and he did that for Old Testament saints. And the Bible says that we have a better covenant based upon better promises. Amen. If he would have did it for them, and now we have the blood of Jesus for us, and the Bible says that if God gave us Christ, if he gave us Jesus, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? That was the best that he had to offer. Everything else is secondary to that. Amen. I want to burn bright for the Lord. I want to understand the power of one because my uncle Ephraim and my aunt Kathy were the first ones to get saved in our family. But do you know now almost all of our family is serving the Lord? You know that? But it was the power of one. The power of one person in a family can flip the whole family around. So now instead of living generation from generation without God and without hope in this earth, guess what? Now our generations, our kids, because of a generation before me, are walking in God. Amen. It's the life that Jesus came to give us. He needs to be our everything. And it's not religion. It's not religious when you hear Jesus wants to be your everything. It's reality that he wants to hold that high place in your heart. Because what happens if I find my value from things, I'll seek God for things instead of for him. But when he appeared to Abraham, he said unto Abraham, Behold, Abraham, I am your great reward. And Abraham automatically knew that God be in his reward that he could ask for the impossible and get it. He said, God, if you're my reward, what will you give me? That's what he said. His heart's desire was a child. They couldn't have children. Because he understood God was his reward, he asked God for the impossible. But that impossible was already on the heart of God. He's the one who put it in Abraham. And the possibilities, the dreams, the visions that you have for your life, that you know you could be at a better place, those were put there by God for you. He's expecting you to reach out and take hold of Him. Because what happens if we start seeking a child? Because we know, just like Abraham, God said, I'm going to give you a child. So we start seeking a child, then we lose sight of God, and then we end up birthing something in our flesh and having an Ishmael when we could have had an Isaac. Isaac was by promise. But because Abraham took his eyes off the Lord and leaned on the flesh, he produced something in the flesh. God's not looking for what you can do. He wants you to look for what he can do. He is the God of impossibilities. 
It says to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. That means your highest goal, your highest dream, your highest desire. God says that I live outside of that. My possibilities are even bigger than that. Amen. That I live outside of that. That I'm not limited to your possibilities. He's saying, come up here where I am seated. And he's offering us to sit down. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is where we're seated. But if we don't realize what we've been given and who we are, we'll always live less than what we're intended to live. God is calling his bride to greatness. Don't ever let anyone abuse you verbally, mentally, emotionally. Don't do it. Don't let anyone ever abuse you because your value does not come from them. Your value comes from your Redeemer. And it was purposed in the heart of God before you ever breathed your first breath. He placed that value on your life. Amen. Amen. The thief comes but to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. And Christians will tell you that God is sovereign. What does that mean, God's sovereign? He's in control of everything? Because no, he's not. He's not. You want to know when he lost his control? When he gave it to you. God lost his choice when he gave you choice. He did. He aligns himself with our will now. And some say God wants a hundred or he don't want anything. That's a lie. Jesus said that some produced 30, some 60, and some a hundred times that which was sown. The 30 was acceptable. The 60 was acceptable. But God's perfect will is that we all produce 100%. That's why you can't let anyone speak negativity into your life. Because if you keep allowing that to happen, it becomes part of you and you start seeing yourself through that lens. And God doesn't want us to picture ourselves in our own minds less than what he paid for us, which is the blood of Jesus. Amen. God is the one who purchased you. He's the one who bought you back to himself. And if you get a hold of what the Spirit of the Lord is saying today, you'll never sell cheap. Oh, I love that saying. I heard someone say this. He said that, you know, he was talking about marriage and how the enemy just exploits sensuality. It's everywhere, from toothpaste to tennis shoes commercials. Anywhere you see, you see sensuality everywhere. Like the earth is filled with sexuality. And he said that when you see something like that, you know that there's great significance to the real thing. He said that men don't counterfeit $1 bills. Neither does the devil. You don't counterfeit something that doesn't have great value to it. The reason why they counterfeit it is because of the value that's attached to it. That's what purity is. Purity is not religion. No, we're called to live pure lives, but not legalistic lives. And I'm not trying to live a pure life based on my own efforts. I'm not trying to obtain the holiness. I realized that I was made holy when he said, be ye holy. He's the one who empowered me to live a holy life. And the moments that I fall less than holy, I'm still holy because my works don't qualify holiness. My acceptance of the purchased possession, me, 
And his ability to purchase me is what cleansed my conscience from dead works. I'm going to read that. I'm almost done. Just, just give me a minute. We're just, we're believing the Lord here. And, and it says, you know, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Right here, we're preaching the righteousness of God. It's not coming through as the word righteousness. But when you realize your love, the reason you realize your love is because of your right standing with God. And the, when he gave us that right standing, the picture of that right standing and his love was put in Jesus. Amen. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. Listen to what it says. Let's back up to 13. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? That means that if you just worked a dead work three minutes ago, the blood of Jesus never coagulates. So even if you just worked a dead work three minutes ago, the blood of Jesus cleanses your conscience from those dead works to serve God. So even when you fail and you feel less than holy, the reality is, is that you're still holy because holiness was given to you. We're not trying to obtain the holiness. We became holy. It's the eyes are the lamp of the body. I was a dead person inside. Now you see life. Amen. I didn't try to conjure up life. It was given to me when I accepted his life. Amen. I became alive inside and that old man died. And now the life I live, I live to the glory. I literally live by the faith of God, but I live to glorify Jesus. And Jesus lived to glorify the Father. Amen. And the reality is, is you're never condemned. Not one time can the accuser of the brethren ever accuse you before God anymore. Don't let anybody else remind you of your past. I'm serious. Don't let anyone else, including yourself, bring up your past failures. Do you understand that the Apostle Paul literally said this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and pressing on to those things which are ahead. Do you know that when you forget, you literally can't even bring it to your remembrance? You know that? He said this one thing. He could have said a million things. But he said this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. And I believe he mastered that. Because when the voice of accusation comes to you through your own self, through the enemy, or through somebody else, you can literally say to him, that wasn't me. And you think, well, that's lying. No, it's not. If he comes and says that, you can tell him, go ask my father. There's a seed that's called forgetfulness. And he won't remember it either. And that's where all our sins are. All our mistakes, all our shortcomings, all our failures, they're all in there. And you know the sea of forgetfulness doesn't have a bottom? You know that? Like they're not on the ocean floor of forgetfulness. And there they are. No, there's no bottom to it. They just sink into the abyss and they're no more. So when the enemy comes and reminds you of one of your past failures, you can literally say to him, that wasn't me. I choose to forget which means I can't remember. If you forget something, you can't remember it. Like I've said plenty of times, the only thing that can keep you from your future is your past. If you let your past dictate who you are in Christ, it'll keep you from the future that He's already predestined you to walk in. You're not your failures. You're so much more. You're so much more. You are. 
See, God wants you to love yourself the way that He loves you. You can only do that if you realize that He loves you because the whole law is summed up as love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if you don't love yourself, you can't love your neighbor. And if you don't realize that you're loved by God, then you'll reduce yourself down to actions instead of being a person who God is crazy in love with. He is. He is crazy in love with you guys. You're always on His mind. Night and day, always on His mind. I pray that you guys have a visitation from Jesus. I pray that you start expecting it. You might think, that's foolish, that's crazy. Well, let me be crazy and foolish. So let me do it. Let me dream. Let me dream. What's wrong with dreaming? Like, we try to tell kids, well, don't believe for that. You know, there's no way you could ever do that. What's wrong with dreaming? Dream as big as you want. Go outside of you to where God is and dream a little. it do you real good. Amen. Dream about the impossibles. Dream about it. Amen. Cry yourself to sleep dreaming about it. I'm serious. I'm so serious. Dream. Man, the world tries to take the, the fight out of you through circumstances. And we think, well, why would we believe for anything other than this? This is all we ever got. Well, if that's all you ever got, then that's all you'll ever be. But when you realize that you got the blood of Jesus, amen, it takes you out of where you are. That's what it says. That, that was going to be my opening scriptures. All right, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son? Did you hear that? Who has delivered us from the power of darkness? That word power there literally means mastery, power, authority, jurisdiction, or strength. And it says that He has delivered us out of the power, the mastery, authority, jurisdiction, or the strength of darkness. And He's transferred us somewhere into a kingdom. And it's called the kingdom of God's dear Son. You're no more without, hope, without God and without hope in this earth. Because listen what it says right after that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes were afar off are brought near by the blood of Christ. The previous verse is the one I read. It says that at one time you were without Christ and aliens from the commonwealth of Israel that you were without God and without hope in this world. But then it says, you who were at one time afar off are now brought near right here to Jesus. Right here. Right here in His arms. Amen. By the blood of Christ. Amen. Never feel like you're distant from God. Your worst times, never feel like that. Never feel like God doesn't hear you because I realize that God can produce emotions, but he's not an emotion. And he's still there even when your emotions aren't. I was listening to a message on Friday, and this guy said, don't ever let anyone tell you that feeling the presence of God isn't important. And I said, yes. And then I turned on another message. This guy said, it's not about feelings. <laughs> and I thought, Lord, who's right? And he said both. It's important to feel the presence of God. It is. We should be moved by them, yes. <laughs> but it's not the feeling. Even if the feelings aren't there, 
He's still present because we have a promise. Amen. Amen. It's the power of one, of one life. Your life is so significant. Man, your life can just wreck your family. It could, honestly, for Jesus, not wreck them as in destroy it. I'm pretty sure all of our lives have done that to somebody in the past. <laughs> We've wrecked somebody's life along the way, you know, but they can. Your life completely, completely just changed the whole fabric, the DNA of your family to where all your family was without God and without hope. Now all your family has God and has a lot of hope. I know our family, man, our family is so strong because of Jesus. Our family wasn't always strong. It wasn't at all. And uh, you look at our family now and you say, man, you guys have a loving family. It wasn't always like that. It wasn't. Literally, Jesus changes everything. You know, he changes everything. You know. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. We thank you for that it's engrafted. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are ministering, Lord God, to each person, Lord Jesus. I ask you, Father, that this message would not depart out of our hearts when we leave. Father, but that this seed is the incorruptible seed of the word of God, that we really have been given a kingdom, Lord, and it's the kingdom of your dear Son. Father, I just ask you to put a fire in everyone who's here, Lord Jesus that they would realize that the quality of life that can be lived, Lord Jesus, isn't dictated through circumstances. It's not about doing, it's about becoming. And I thank you that you just mold us and shape us into the image of your Son. We thank you for your goodness and for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.